0: Viking Boy by Tony Bradman. Blood, Fire, Vengeance. Chapter Six, The Right Road. He soon got the fire going again with the flint and ate some more bread and cheese, washing it down with the ale in the flask. Then he sat and brooded, staring sometimes at the yellow flames, sometimes at the feather. The old man had been friendly and generous. Gunnar guessed he had left the bag for him, but it had been a strange encounter. The old man had known his name without being told it and hadn't been surprised to hear Gunnar talking about Valhalla. And what did he mean about flying with the eagle to the land of ice and fire? Falling asleep like that had been odd too. Perhaps the old man was a sorcerer and had cast a spell on him. Now Gunnar tutted, angry with himself. It had been natural for him to fall asleep. And perhaps he had told the old man his name and then forgotten. And maybe meeting Brunhild was making him think everything was strange. The old man had come and gone, and Gunnar felt like he should just be grateful for his help. But he thought he'd better keep the feather safe, and tucked it into his pocket. It was fully dark outside the byre now, and Gunner knew there was no point in setting off a cowpang before morning. He kept the fire going as long as he could, and then tried to rest. He slept uneasily, his dreams filled with blood and fire and woke feeling unrefreshed, his back aching, the cold deep in his bones. He finished the bread and cheese and left the buyer, the old man's bag on his shoulder. It was a crisp autumn day, the sun bright in a blue sky. The track that had brought Gunnar to the godhouse carried on and he decided to follow it, hoping he would find someone who could tell him how to find Kaupang. The track skirted the mountains and took him through low rocky hills. Towards evening, a shepherd told him that he was already on the road to Kaupang. He passed the night in a cave, using the flint to make a fire, his stomach grumbling with hunger. On the second day, the weather grew colder, the wind full of snow. Gunner came to a village where he used one of the old man's coins to buy oatcakes and goat's cheese from an old woman who offered him a bed for the night in a cow buyer. And on the third day, the track brought him to the crest of a ridge from which he looked down on Kaopang. He had arrived. There were hundreds of huts, the smoke of cooking fires rising to hang in a blue-grey haze over their thatched roofs. Narrow alleys wriggled between the dwellings. Several bigger buildings stood among the huts, one in particular larger than the rest, perhaps the hall of some rich lord. Beyond it was the harbour, broad wharves with dozens of vessels tied up to them, lean long ships with their proud dragon's head prows, fat cargo ships, a host of smaller boats nestling cosily between the others, like piglets suckling from their mothers. Gunnar walked on and entered the town. The alleyways were crowded, and everyone seemed to be yelling at the top of their voices. Some spoke the Norse tongue, although many had strange accents, and there were plenty whose speech Gunnar couldn't understand. Many of those looked like wild and exotic men, with tattoos swirling on their faces, warriors in pointed helmets, women covered in jewels. There were ragged beggars everywhere, crying out for alms. "'Terrible, isn't it?' said a voice behind him. "'It's the smell I can't stand.' Gunnar turned around. A boy a little older than him was standing nearby, thumbs hooked in his belt, a grin on his face. He was wearing ordinary clothes and boots like Gunnar's, and had a shock of fair hair and blue eyes. The boy's grin was open and friendly, and Gunnar couldn't help smiling back. Mind you, the whole town stinks, not just the beggars, said the boy. I hate to think what's in the mud of those alleys. My name's Gork, by the way. I'm Gunnar, Gunnar Bjornson." Well then, Gunnar, son of Bjorn, what brings you to crowded, stinking old cowpang? Nobody comes here without good reason. Gunnar paused. It would probably be a bad idea to tell the story of what happened to him. If he started talking about Valkyries and Valhalla, this boy might think he was mad and a friend with local knowledge might prove useful. I've come to take passage on a ship, said Gunnar at last, deciding to tell Gork the truth, although not all of it. I have to find my father. Well, you won't be the last to go on that particular quest. Gork put his arm around Gunnar's shoulders, "'This is your lucky day. "'I know plenty of men who own ships, "'so there's nobody better to help you. "'But first things first, let me treat you to breakfast. "'You look as if you could do with a good meal.' "'You don't have to do that.' "'Gunner felt his cheeks flush. "'He didn't want Gork to think he was poor like the beggars. "'I can pay my own way.' "'Of course you can. No offence meant,' said Gork. "'He took Gunner by the elbow "'and led him towards the entrance of a narrow alley. "'I was just trying to be friendly. "'I know the best places to eat. "'There's a great tavern down here.' "'Gunner resisted.' A small voice in the back of his mind warning him to be careful. But he was hungry, so he let Gork pull him to an alley. It was fine at first, but then gradually the hut seemed to close in on them. Strange faces peered down from the shadows. A mangy dog growled from the floor. A rat scut over Gunnar's foot. The mud grew thicker and smellier. Wait, Gunnar said. Are you sure this is alright? Gork smiled. Nearly there, he said. They soon came to a place where another narrower alley cut across the one they had been following. Gork stopped and turned to face him. Is this it? said Gunner. He looked around, puzzled. The alleys were empty. The hut shuttered and silent. I don't see any tavern here. Suddenly, two boys stepped out of the shadows. They were dirty and mean-looking, and bigger than Gork and Gunner. One was holding a wooden club the length of a man's forearm, and they were both smirking. Gunnar took a step backward. The boy with the club stepped forward, and the other new arrival moved to cut off Gunnar's retreat. "What's this all about?" said Gunnar. "I'm not looking for trouble." "It seems you found it anyway," said Gork, still smiling. "My friends are called Ivor and the Jowl." "Now hand me that bag of yours." "No, I won't," said Gunnar. Gork shrugged, and the Jowl smashed his club into Gunnar's elbow. Gunnar cried out and dropped the bag as pain shot from his shoulder to his fingertips. Iva picked up the bag and turned upside down, tipping a few coins into the mud. That's not going to make us rich, is it? said Gork. You're turning out to be a real disappointment, Gunnar. At least we've got another way to make a profit from you. Well, don't just stand there, you two. Tie him up! Majal and Ivor wrenched his arm behind his back. Gunnar cried out again, but Ivor silenced him with a punch to the gut, and he felt them tying his wrists together, the rough twine biting into his flesh. Then they hustled him away down one of the dark alleys, Gork following behind him. "'Where are you taking me?' said Gunnar at last, struggling to catch his breath. He was stumbling and splashing through the stinking mud, Ivor and a jowl each holding out one of his arms, and his elbow felt as if it was on fire. "'Why, to meet the king, of course,' said Gork. "'Lead on, lads!'